0: You are listening to my top 10 TV podcast. Salutations and welcome to yet another episode of my top 10 TV. This week, herald the incredible list of the one and only Toby Earl, TV critic and broadcaster who gives an incredible top 10, so full of jaw dropping and wait, what moments? He's very funny, very engaging and very, very entertaining. And this is a 45 minutes of what was a near two hour tour de force. I give you the quite brilliant Toby Earl. Brilliant. Well, listen, thank you for agreeing to do uh, this, my chief. No, thanks for having
1: and... me. It's very nice to be asked.
0: No, absolutely. It's, it's an absolute pleasure. So I think we should do, without further ado, as all good, uh, you know, kind of ceremonies should start, we shall start with your number 10. Oh, right. OK. OK. Are we recording?
1: Is this it? Is this yes, it now? Yes, we yes, in? yes. We in? My, my list is wrong. OK, my list is wrong. And I've, I've I've got a list of 10 shows, right? Um, Because that's the format. Yeah. And so I've got the list of 10 shows, but they're wrong. Um. I I don't have Inside Number 9 on there. I don't have Taskmaster on there. I don't have Top of the Pops. I don't have The Boys. I don't have Nathan Barley. I don't have Bullseye. I don't have The Word. I don't have Veep. I don't have Giri Hadji. I don't have The White Lotus. I don't have Gogglebox. I don't have Hunderby, Nighty Nights sally forever nothing from julia davis i don't have what we do in the shadows i don't have statletts flats i don't have going live i don't have i may destroy you i don't have the far show i don't have ted lasso i don't have 15 stories (laughs) high i don't even have detectorists on there i don't even i have none of those shows so this list is wrong this list is wrong but this is the list when you asked me what my favorite shows are this was the list i came up with now tomorrow the list is probably going to be some of those shows and some other shows and it'll be wrong again because the day after that it'll probably be another set of shows these are the 10 shows i've 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 said to you are my favorite shows and i thought about you know favorite okay what is favorite um and i think uh, how do you define favorite and i think there are gradations of 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 your of 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 sort of something being a favorite because they can be shows which are your favourite or or music or whatever, but shows say which are your favourite because of how powerful or important they are. You're not necessarily ever going to watch them again, but they are powerful, important and significant. And you recognise that and you admire them and you respect them. You enjoy them and you respect them, but you're not necessarily ever going to watch them again. Then there are shows which are your favourite because they uh, were part of your childhood or your adolescence. And so these are the 10 shows which if i were to catch while channel surf, which surfing i would stop and watch number yep. 10 is succession it is amazing it is amazing television it is one of the few programs which i actively looked forward to which i um which which i would hang on you know its every word um and I I would I every episode I would sit and just be thoroughly astonished at the craft on display. Not least, you know, you, the scripts, the performances, the camera work, art direction, the cost, costume department. Absolutely everything about that show is perfect. There is there there is there is not a duff beat in it. There's not a duff moment in it, and it it all is authentic which i think is what is so important about that show because even though it's a show about a fictional media family (laughs) even though it's fictional
0: Hmm.
1: it had to have a sense of authenticity to it it had to look real it had to believe that this was a family with a with a patriarchal billionaire who owned a media conglomerate company and it and uh, which 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 um which spanned or depending on your point of view wrapped but like spread itself across the world and allowed one individual to have an un, an unseemly amount of influence um not to mention wealth and this this is the this this is the real deal it is authentic and it's yeah. just I, I think about the scripts of this of succession and what what I one of the things i love about it is um one of the things i love about the script and the writing is People don't necessarily speak in um, complete sentences the whole time. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, 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 but, um, and 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 the way that people do speak, but not a single one of those erms or pauses or buts or, or you know, those, those little moments where people try to buy time to think about what they're going to say next. Not a single one of those is out of place mm-hmm. and not a single one of those feels uh, sort of theatrical or or or, or, or you know, artificial. Oh, and I thought actually it's important. Um, uh, even though there is one show in this which is not quite going to adhere to this, I thought it important. This top ten. This is again. This is absolutely no helps you whatsoever <laughs> for the edit. Um, that I pick shows which have finished. Just an incredibly funny satire about uh, modern life. About about. Uh, I, it, it is about media, but it's more really about society and how much power a, an elite group of individuals have over the rest of a country and even the
0: world and yeeks they do not deserve it so after that fantastic i would say kind of mini rant uh, we'll take your number nine um number nine
1: um father ted i just now I, I, I honestly i i found myself doing it the other weekend um i watched a bit of telly by the way and i found I think it was a saturday night and it was about 10 o'clock or something and of course e4 or more for i'm watching it again i'm watching it i've watched them i mean i've watched i've watched them i've watched them all i've watched them a lot um but i just but it but but i I, this is this for me is um uh, an example of you know a a perfect sitcom um it's such a that's a a big call well it's a hoary cliche it's a it's it's a hoary cliche to you know to, to talk about the sitcoms being the kind of the, the the absolute kernel to a sitcom is a sense of of um in, uh, of being trapped. Like the the, the the what what generates that conflict in the classic sitcoms, all classic sitcoms is a sense of being trapped and and um, there being a high status individual or or someone that believes they're high status who wants to escape and the others don't and they feel they're superior but actually they're just as they're just as dopey, mm. or, or 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 they are inadequate in other ways, and and Father Ted is a perfect example of this. Um, and the casting, I mean, again, yeah. the casting was perfect. Um, Dermot Morgan was just absolutely. I mean, it's it uh, it is impossible to think of anyone else in that role, and it's, it goes the same. It goes the same. It goes the same with Ardal Hanlon as as Dougal. Like you cannot, you cannot ever separate them which obviously causes its own issues but them being so brilliant in the roles that they um the the the, sort of in bringing these uh people to life but it's so funny and it's just daft and and it the, the absurdity of 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 these stories but you know overarchingly it was a very daft funny at times quite sweet uh sitcom with um we just absolutely knock out performances and scripts, and I t- actually do you know it just occurred to me as well. Um, what again, you know, this was in front of a studio audience, and we, I there is a thing that oh, we, you know, they don't do that enough these days. I don't think they record TV, it's not in vogue, it's not in vogue to have a studio. Yeah. There's an energy to it, I think you know, I think you know when you watch it, there's an energy in that room, yeah. and 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 the audience are are vibing. Uh, and I, it, it is just such a brilliant piece of television. I, it's just one of channel four's know, real flag bearing pieces of comedy. Uh, I, it, it I, I, it just doesn't, because again, it's like, it is sort of timeless as well. It could be any, it could, because Craggy Island is such a weird place. Yeah, It could exactly. be, it could be tomorrow. It could be yesterday. It could be today. I think you could be watching it in years to come.
0: Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, Matthews and Linehan were kind of at the, Peak of their powers at the time because they were able to write sort of beautiful, beautiful uh, lines and, and humor. But also, you talk about the absurdity. Some of the visual gags in, in Father Ted are just legendary. I mean, clearly, you know, the, the Hitler mustache in the window, that's just amazing. You know, the fact that, you know, the old sat around wearing crash helmets one day because they were kind of trying to clip, you know, the, his uh, toenails. You know, there's so many amazing. Answer things. back. When he's looking out the window, the ants yes, and he goes, yes. "Ants are back, Ted." <laughs> just <these laughs> giant ants. Yes, uh, and also, you know, just kind of the the amount of gags that crop up in people's conversations. You know, how many times I've had a conversation when somebody's just gone, "No, no, no, they're far away." Then you know, yes, just all of that. Yeah. I mean, they almost like kind of conversational tropes that happen when you're in the pub because Father Ted was so eminently quotable. Uh, and I think you're right, performance-wise, literally. There was a, you know, the, there was an hand and a, you know, Dermot Morgan shaped hole, and they fitted them absolutely perfectly. It was like a pastry cutter of what what the perfect casting would be, and it was just just joyous. Yeah, you think back to those Friday nights on Channel Four, which were very comedy heavy. Very. And they, it's
1: a to view kind of comedy. Yeah. And, um, which has not been the case necessarily. I think Gogglebox is very good, of course. But, um, yeah, those, 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 those comedy nights just absolutely hope were home to some of the best comedy this, this, this and Ireland of this country and Ireland have, have produced.
0: Brilliant. Okay. So, uh, so from Father Ted, where do we go on this magical mystery tour now? I think it's going to get kind of obvious the longer we
1: talk, um, about this top 10. Um, about how much comedy is in this top 10. And I, and I, when I was putting together the list, you know, instead of about doing the favorite shows, I, I thought to myself, what, what always happens what, is that when people talk about the greatest shows of all time, or people talk about award shows, what's been nominated, you know, um, comedy is so often left out. And I, and I think there is often a feeling that somehow comedy is not as high status as drama or you know, serious drama, you know, really great acting. Like, and it's somehow not placed on that same pedestal. And yet I think, you know, what do people really go to when, you know, when they want to feel good about themselves or feel, yeah. feel better? Like comedy is just so important and like such a part of our lives. Um, and, and I think it's often overlooked. And so, yeah, I, I it was kind of important to me, which brings me to number eight, which is an ITV comedy. Now think about
0: that. It, this is an ITV
1: oh, comedy. I think
0: I need to and take a little that break. Might,
1: I, I, <laughs> Harry Hill's TV burp.
0: I feel like we should have a like a hallelujah little chorus.
1: <laughs> if the budget can stretch, <laughs> I, I, I know I know a very reasonable choir. <laughs> um <laughs> Harry Hill's TV burp. It is it is like it was it was finding the funniest, strangest, oddest most esoteric moments each week, and then building a show out of that, and it essentially being a highlights package of all the TV you missed. Yep. And quite often, with some of the shows that they picked up on, you, you it was it was it was a service because they it, it, they found twenty five seconds out of what would be otherwise a completely wasted hour of your life, and they then presented and packaged it up yep. in this incredibly funny clip. You know, TV highlights of the week: people smelling if the milk was off in EastEnders. They <laughs> you know, just literally like that. And it was just, it was so, and some of the really long highlight of the week, like it would go on and on. Um, it was on. I think they repeated it late at night as well. Yeah. Um, I think they repeated it late at night, either on Saturday or Monday night. I don't know why I said Monday, but I'm pretty sure there was a late night repeat as well, which if you've been out, you know, it had a couple. Then you come back and one like proper post pub TV. It was never not hilarious. No, like, never right. not hilarious. Yeah. There were never not at least two gags, minimum,
0: that would have you roaring with laughter. Absolute well, minimum. I tell you what used to strike me because it was around the time that I was still working in the industry. What struck me of how brilliant it was was just just how forensic they were because they used mm. to do things where the position Harry in the scene that you had just been watching and you wouldn't notice the join. It was always beautifully observed. So it felt like he was in either in the same room or, you know, even things where, you know, somebody's running along the street and then all of a sudden he's in that scene and he's yeah. chasing after them and he's doing cartwheels over cars. And it was, it, it was so pre- precision tooled the way they put yep. that together. And you know that they poured over hours and hours and hours worth of stuff to kind of describe, just go, just, Go back a frame, go back, you know, and it will be, you know, yeah. I don't know, the classic example, you know, uh, Steve in, in the Rovers who kind of, you know, exhales and so, and and the theme music starts at the same time. So it looks like he's playing, a, 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 you know, an invisible saxophone. And bit, it, yeah. Then they find two other examples of it from other soap operas. And you just kind of, you know, the, the the level of detail and depth they went into for what basically was a shiny floor comedy. I think it became beloved by the industry itself yeah. because, it was a badge of honor in some ways to be
1: on that show. And there was one, there was one sequence that just lives with me in my, I just, it just, it'll just come into my head every now and again. I'll just think about it. it's, um Two words. If you've, if you've seen it, you'll know what, you'll know why you, you, you it instantly popped your head. Mm. Ear cataracts. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 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 Ear cataracts was yep. I forget if it was a miss. If it was like it was something from a clip that was misheard, and Harry Hill something ear cataracts. But then it grew, and it grew, and it ended up having Noel Edmonds on Deal or No Deal picking up the red phone, looking at the camera, saying ear cataracts. And it didn't yeah. stop there. Yeah. It went on and on and on and on. All these famous, all these people, all these famous people on television shows were picking up the phone and ear cataracts. Yeah. And it went on and on and on. And it just showed you how much of Um, how much the industry wants to be part of that show because it celebrated television, right? It was, it was, what was really important is that Harry Hill TV celebrated TV. Um, It it could be a bit cheeky, but it was never mean. Like it was really never, I don't think it was ever mean. It it, it was a celebration of television. It was very affectionate. Um, And as a consequence that I think the industry really loved being part of it and, and, and taking part in some of these ludicrous sketches, which had, you know, proper talent, like proper sort of big talent. Like, how have they found the time and their schedule yeah. to do this? Yeah. So, yeah, TV. I mean, TV, but um, it's just and and is just and just a, such an amazing piece of reactive tele, You know, reactive writing as well because this is this is all done. You know, they, they, they you mentioned there about how forensic it was, and that was a, essentially that's what the reason why they stopped making it because it was so much work. It was yeah. such hard work, yeah. and you can tell because it's like the quality of the writing and the sketches. But um, it, it is it is it is just an absolutely brilliant piece of television. So funny, so funny,
0: brilliant. Well, that's as far as I'm concerned. That will be you know etched into a marble stone of of, of one of the greatest shows ever. So uh, please do crash on the X Files. Right. Yeah. So you
1: like Harry Hill's TV burp. You like the X Files, but which is really better? And I'm not going to get harry or you or julian anderson or david to come the other fight uh, there is no fight to be had but yeah the x-files the x-files which such a thrilling bit of television when mm. i was a uh, young lad of 32 it was amazing <laughs> <laughs> when it came on bbc2 um when it arrived on bbc2 there was uh, some hype about it because i think it had been big in the states and um the x-files of course was, for anyone who's never seen it followed the work of two FBI agents, Fox Mulder played by David Duchovny and agent Dana Scully played by Julian Anderson as they, but it was, but it what it was such a huge pop culture program. And, and it, again, it was one of those shows, those kind of uh, the characters entered, entered sort of the lexicon, you know, Atatonia had a song Mulder and Scully and it just the, the, the this this the dynamic between the two caught everyone's attention the stories caught everyone's attention um and uh there was still this sort of air of mystery I think in the 90s around the FBI maybe and a, a, a brilliant piece of pop culture television which kind of tapped into tapped into the possibility of 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 science fact what i always preferred were the week the, the monster of the week stories you know this is this is this is something we don't tend to have i don't think at the at this time we don't have those shows those twenty odd episode shows, twenty odd episode of season shows, which have a story, and then that story is wrapped at the end of that week, and we go on to something else, and then we go on to something else, and then we go on to something else. I mean, you've got yeah. the, you know, I can think of probably some kind of cop shows, kind of very sort of average cop shows which do that, but nothing like this, which married science fiction and horror. Um, there was an episode called Blood, featured people who started seeing messages in signage. Um digital signage actually quite often or watches or phones and things hmm. like that and there's a there's a massacre and and scully and Mulder go to investigate and it it, it creep is creep it was a creepy story i found it a creepy story because it's about mental manipulation the fact that these people were being made suggestible and then having these messages fired out onto you know these digital signs and um it ends with oh you know i'll ruin it it ends with it ends with molder's phones sort or of molder trying to make a phone call and it just ends with bye-bye and that's like, the end of the thing because they've stopped the experiment or yes. whatever has been taking place in this small town like you think now like if that was if that was a thing which happened now like that was in what was that 1994 hmm. that episode i think went out uh like you think where we are now if someone did something like that Oh my god! It would be horrifying. Like yes. digital signage is everywhere. Everyone's got a phone, and a star making turns for both of them. Star making, really. And yes. uh, you know, and I, yeah, you think about what Julian Anderson is still still doing now. Incredible, incredible talent,
0: and not that Duchovny wasn't. Um, and it yeah. also gave us um, one of the most memorable. What would we call it? Sort of end of credit stings. Oh, oh, hang on. What is it? What was that? I made this.
1: I made this, of course. Yeah, of course. I made this.
0: Hmm. Good memory, that. So, good memory. You know what? I can, I can pull some things out every now and again. Yeah. <laughs> I surprise myself. HR would rather you didn't. <laughs> That's another conversation and uh, my lawyers will be in touch. Um, um, yeah, no, I, I, I um, it, it, it definitely has a part in my kind of TV history purely because it was before I started working in the industry. I knew I wanted to, but, you know, kind of Northern Council house kid didn't know how to. So it was a real kind of, you know, it was a point of view, view for me as well. Um, I think because it was on BBC Two, it didn't feel mainstream. And so I think mm. that was- that was the interest and i think you going back to talking about a lot of the su- subject matter i think it had an awful lot of those kind of sort of social scruples and it asked an awful lot of questions of attitudes i i always remember the the show where they had the freaks um, oh yes as it were. yes and and, and, jim and rose wasn't it jim rose yeah, circus yes. show and them having the conversation within the program of them saying, we don't mind being freaks because we want to be known as being different and unusual. We don't want to be kind of, you know, and it was all of these kind of social kind of um, conversations that will have been had up and down the land, but because they were able to kind of polarize it within that particular kind of um, wrapping, if you like, I just thought it was really interesting. Yeah. It's a very good point. It's a very, very good. That is a memorable episode as well. That
1: is a That is a, that is a memorable episode.
0: No, well, there you go. So that, um, I, I pull that one out, and also the end sting as well. So uh, I'll take that. I'll take that as a win. You? D- I would. I would absolutely. <laughs> I'd be going on about it. This. I would. I'd stop talking about the list now. I'd just be going on about it. <laughs> well, I'm definitely going to clip it up. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. So moving on from X Files, I'm Alan
1: Partridge, and I'm cheat is such a cheat, really, to say and everything else afterwards. But I've just said it. Yes. Um. I I you know know me knowing you was 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 really good fun and there's you know some really brilliant moments in it. He lived he's living in a hotel halfway between Norfolk and London. You know, that when he's traipsing up the motorway when he's bored one afternoon sticking goldfinger. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so funny. It's just he he for me is just I think he's possibly the best realized British comedy character of the last 50 years. I, I think he's I think there is so much nuance to him. I think because of because he's had so many different sort of stages in his life, his screen life, from Alan Partridge through to where we are now with um from the Oast House's podcast and this time with Alan Partridge, he, they've grown and the character's grown with the writers and, and, and he's grown and he's not as a consequence, he is just so full of nuance. Um and I even though he's a different Alan to what he was in i'm alan partridge he's not different in the sense of some of his, his the, the 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 ease in which he slides into faux pas mm. and the way in which he, ta- he he manages to entangle himself um and sometimes um uh, the way he, he, he manages to offend people the there were just so many lines like I know a cracking owl sanctuary and it shouldn't just be about lines. It shouldn't just be about lines. You know, there's a guy who's really sort of in deep distress. <laughs> yeah. He's in. He's like deeply sad. And I don't think he knows it. And I, I think, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I've, I've, I've never asked the Gibbons brothers that, but I think, you know, he's a man in, <laughs> in turmoil and all the outward trappings, which he possesses or thinks have outward value. Um, don't actually bring him, the happiness he thinks and no. um, it's really funny <laughs> it's really funny. it's just yeah. a work of art and i, I and, and him as a character i just think is um I, I i'm i'm honestly struggling and i i, I know there will be people listening who will go oh you've forgotten so and so and so and so but i don't think there is a, a comedy character as well developed or or who has had such longevity and um uh and and, and developed in such a way as alan partridge i just I can't think of one. J- just, uh, just a, a, a man in deep turmoil. Yeah. And you know when his when his um, Bond videos are ruined with the orange juice dropped in, and he starts, he goes outside like soaring boxes of <laughs> flakes in anger. Yeah. Right. and and all that, you know, and and it's not. Again, it's the writing and the performances, also the casting. I come back to come back to the casting again. The, some yeah. of the, you know, again the, the Amelia Bullmore in there and and um Peter yeah. um, uh Michael. My goodness me, Geordie Michael. Yes, um, name is, Simon Greenall as Geordie Michael. Again, what a, what a character because he's he's sort of some things that Partridge wishes he had or what you know was in yeah. some ways because of yeah. his
0: experience in in the military. Yeah, absolutely, brilliant. Well, yeah, I can't uh, can't agree more. So um, uh, another one etched onto the piece of marble. I'm glad to hear it. Um,
1: <laughs> no, I, don't to to, I don't want to have to. I don't want to have to get Geordie Michael to hoey you onto a rock um, no. like he did that monkey. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: good reference.
1: i number five. Um, guess what? It's comedy. It's comedy. Um, and and it, and it, this was this was this this was born from um, the Edinburgh Fringe. A success at the Edinburgh Fringe. And it then translated into a Channel Four show, um, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. The, the premise is that this show was too, <laughs> this show was too scary to be shown, and and so it's it's they have the sort of cast looking back at it while showing the episode. So it has Garth Marenghi played by Matthew Holness talking about bits and pieces and then sort of veers off into his own personal life. You have Richard Iawadi plays Dean Lerner, who is the producer and also uh, a a thoroughly terrible actor in, in Dark Place. like Dean Lerner is a terrible actor and Richard Iawadi is very good at being a terrible actor. (laughs) Um, Matt Berry um, plays Sanch, uh, like this, this uh, glamorous doctor um, oh, I should point out, by the way, Dark Place is a hospital. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. In Romford, I think it's Romford. Um. And, and, and weird things happen there.
0: There you go. I mean, you know, if if that doesn't if that doesn't put bombs on seats, I don't know what will. Uh, but yeah, no, absolutely, it would. It's kind of. I have to admit, it it one that kind of did pass me by until I caught up with it. Probably about two or three years after it was originally broadcast and I just, I, I i had friends at the time who had mentioned it and one had that, that DVD of it and whatever and I, it kind of just didn't, it, it didn't excite me and then I sat and watched it and I was just, it just blew my mind just how how kind of layered it was and as you say, when trying to sum it up in those in or, to, or distill it into a couple of sentences that you'd, you know, read in a radio time is very, very difficult because it had so much, it had so many things go so many moving parts, I think, going yeah. on.
1: Yeah, it was it was doing a lot. And, you know, it's mocking authors, mocking, mocking self aggrandizing authors who sort of like to think of themselves as these auteurs when they're actually just pumping out. Build bilge. Um, on this show. It only, it was only here for six episodes. I was going to say, I but, think it was, a, it was, a,
0: it was a one, it was a one show wonder. Wasn't
1: yeah, it? it was, and it's a real pity. But Matthew Holness just recently released the teratome, where he um, has written a book as Garth Marenghi, and I've got the audio book, and it is, I mean, it is just nuts. It's him again being self, horribly self-aggrandizing, and the book itself is obviously derivative bilge, yeah. um, but it's very funny because it is badly written. Um, but this was, this is, this, I think this is a significant piece of TV too, because of the, the talent of the cast it introduced yeah, those, those individuals yeah. and, um, yeah, Matt Berry's voice the first time you heard that, like Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, I love, I love his work and, and, and Alice Lowe's work too. And it's moved into
0: film a bit more. Um, but uh, there, it is just a very well-crafted bit of TV. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I mean, if, if if people haven't seen it, then I think just from that your oh, your sheer awesome. enthu- your sheer enthusiasm and uh and, and sort of justification should drive them in their droves to whatever streaming platform it is. From God you... Dark Place 2.
1: Um it's another parody, it's another satire, um, but one of um uh sublime qualities. the Larry Sanders show. Gary Shandling, the awesome Gary Shandling playing an erotic, unlikable paranoid chat show host Larry Sanders. Um, uh, and it, it, this was an HBO comedy. Uh, Rip Torn played Artie, his producer. Great. The The talent they had on front of the camera was incredible because what they did is they actually got real people, real A-listers to come on the chat show and play versions of themselves. So yes. the likes of like Jeff Goldblum coming on there. They had the likes of Jennifer Aniston, Baldwin's uh, I, I mean, just the names go on and on. Ben Fold. I mean, it just goes. David Duchovny on.
0: was quite a, a memorable one, wasn't it?
1: Well, yes, because he used to try and entice Larry Sanders, isn't he? And he would off, he would open his legs. Like I remember, there's one episode where Larry Sanders is <laughs> talking to him, and he opens his legs while he's wearing a dressing gown, and he's like trying to trying to seduce larry sanders but any but this so yeah it was like it's, it's brilliant parody of american chat shows and american chat show and, and sort of behind the scenes activity of a, 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 an american chat show the, the 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 sequences filmed in front of the studio audience look like a chat show yeah. away from that it's much more documentary style so yeah. it looks like it is just happening in front of you, um, but yes, they would get these A-listers on to go on Larry Sanders Chat Show, and they would play versions of themselves, like really heightened versions of themselves. But at the same time, not so far where you were like, yeah, they're yeah, yeah they're not, they're not. That's not, that's not. It was so clever in, 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 in balancing that out, and uh, it's just a, it's just peer, it's peerless. I just think it's peerless. It is just, it is just an absolutely uh, wonderful, clever, funny piece of television.
0: It's it's brilliant, and I'm so glad when I saw it in your list because it, I think it is hugely underrated, and I think more so the fact is that we I suppose from apart from Jonathan Ross, we don't really have that culture of those, these kind of late night chat shows, you know, kind of no. uh, the Jimmy Fallon or you know, kind of you know, however many of there's so many Conan O'Brien, there's so many you know different iterations of it, yeah. but the fact that it would just it. If the way that it kind of molded between the kind of the reality and the, and the kind of, you know, the, um, the, the fiction of it. And you were never quite sure. You never, you say about the, the guest stars that came on it, they were only ever slightly different from their real person persona. And yep. I, I would love to have been in some of those conversations when they kind of, when they pitched it to them and said, right, okay, this is, this is what the show is. This is how we want you to be on this. It's just, it was just brilliant. And I, I remember, I remember watching it and just thinking how, how kind of clever and meta it was because you were basically seeing what looked like a real American chat show with all the stuff behind when basically that was all the stuff where it was unraveling and people were being neurotic and you know kind of they were trying to you know kind of you know fluff him up and make because he was basically sort of you know he was sort of vain and glorious but he was also massively neurotic as well and it was just just brilliantly pitched yeah
1: and I and I such a commentary on 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 narcissism and vanity and and how and, and what you know what that sort of career could do to someone yeah. in terms of in, in terms of how they maybe live live their life away from the camera and it's not a healthy way they live they don't live in a yeah. healthy way because no. it's all predicated around their performance on screen and wanting to be that individual but who yeah. they're not they might no. be charming on camera yeah. but they're not
0: yeah and, I mean, um, we've tried it so many times because i was i was around at the, the launch of channel five and we had the um jack Doherty show you remember that yeah. that went out and tried it so many times they tried to recreate that thing and you know jonathan ross has done it chris evans has done it you know this kind of it just it doesn't it doesn't work in the same way because american television works in a very different way in terms of you know viewers and sponsorship and whatever and and and
1: people stay up too late in america Mm. they don't get enough sleep no wonder they're all frayed around the edges they're always (laughs) up Go to bed. Read a book and go to bed. Stop being up to watch the late, 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 late show, which is actually
0: The Breakfast Show. Yeah. Great. So from The Larry Sanders Show, what, what, what's the next cab off the rank?
1: Okay. So, again, the list is wrong. The list is wrong. The Simpsons isn't on there, right? There's no Simpsons. There's no Danger Mouse. Although The Simpsons, I would say, may be slightly greater cultural impact globally than danger mouse although danger mouse scooby-doo there's no Sco- there's no animation what i'm trying to say si in a clumsy way is there's no animation on there oh ho, ho, but wait a minute yes there is <laughs> hold there the is. truck it's batman the animated series this is one of those shows it is there aren't that many episodes um really it didn't last forever it didn't run and run and run um you know you look at what's it uh what does it do? It had 85 episodes. So it's not very, you know, it doesn't even reach the magic 100. Mm. Um, and it had the music, had the El- Danny Elfman music. The styling's magnificent. It, it you know, it leans heavily into... Um, the bat, into Batman and Batman Returns, um, the Burton films, um, and uh, also harks back at the same time to kind of 30s st- styles um, in terms of clothing and architecture, you know, some art deco in there as well. And it told really good stories mm. and they were exciting and um, they could be uh, frightening at times, actually, for, for ostensibly a kid's show and it didn't um talk down to 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 its viewers and it was it was um it is a really beautiful piece of art and um and it actually spawned um one of the best batman films batman mask of the phantasm uh which came out in 1993 and um in that and and which it also did in the series as well it, it does something which a lot of batman films don't really do and that's does bruce wayne well like it's also as much about bruce wayne as it is about batman and uh and i didn't know this until i, I was actually just doing a little bit of research unlike me um but i uh, harley
0: quinn the character harley quinn
1: created for this show had not existed prior no. to batman the animated series
0: oh i did not know that that's so
1: well, a, a kind canon of... what is now i would say seen as a as a as a as a irreplaceable. Character in the DC universe who has had films centered around her. Yep, not that old. Amazing, not that old. Yeah, really impressive. And look, the, the voice cast is absolutely nuts in 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 Batman the animated series as well. Um, Kevin Conroy is absolutely terrific as as Batman and Bruce Wayne. Um, Mark Hamill voiced Joker. Yep. Um, which again apparently wasn't meant to be the case. Tim Curry. Um, I I wow. think meant to be. Um joker but then developed bronchitis and then so then had to step away and so mark hamill came in and that as they say was that yeah no
0: i i I do remember and to be honest i i remembered it more once you when you said what program it was embedded into because it was as you say it was a saturday morning program and if you can find
1: if you're able to find mask of the phantasm it is out there um i would thoroughly recommend it again i I only think it's like an 80 minute film as well maybe 70 70 80 minute and that's animated yeah yeah, it's nice.
0: really good. Fantastic. So I think we're actually your penultimate now, aren't we? Yes,
1: penultimate. Uh, the day to day and Brass Eye. Oh man, the day to day blew my mind. Yeah, blew my mind. And they used to have little mini episodes of the day to day. I think the night before the main one went out, which had completely different stories. Like it was only five minutes or something, but it was the kind of show I go in and I, you know we talk to your mates about the next day. Did you see? Did you see the last last night? Oh my god! And just, it's just. I mean, it stands up. Mm. Like, it all stands up. There's not... Uh, one of my favorite things about the day-to-day and Brass Eye is that a generation of people who grew up watching those shows, some of that generation went into working in news, and some of that generation who went to work in news went to work in the graphics department. Yeah. And as a consequence, you can see what they grew up watching. There is no way some of the graphics you see on news haven't been produced by people who watch the data in the brass eye and are gently taking the piss. Yes, it is. They are a hundred percent doing that. And even if they don't realize it, they're doing it. They're doing it. Yeah. Um, it was just, I think we just go, you know, and I, I, I think it go, I don't think again, it's another one. I don't think ages because the combative style of, of Morris say in that kind of Paxman role in, in, in the day to day, that Still kind of exists, but maybe not enough. There's not yeah. enough of that. There's not enough, there's kind of not enough of it. Um, but as, as a piece of satire and parody, um, bra- Brass Eye and the day to day are just um vintage. V- Brass Eye, man, some of the jokes in that are just unreal. Yeah, again, there's, there's kind of sketches within there. It Just that Chris Morris, uh, Chris Morris is, I've as far as I'm concerned, like a bona fide comedy genius, mm. and um. I think I think it. I think he parodied the media so brilliantly. Yeah, as it, pieces of satire mm-hmm. of the media, the way um, stories, the way stories are told, the way in, interviews progress, the way spin is added to stories, all these things. Like, I, it is, it, 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 it kind of just it picks apart and deconstructs the artifice beautifully.
0: It's uh, it, it, and it 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 kind of goes down in sort of the annals of, uh, of of TV history just because of what it was able to do and how it removed the mask of certain people. I mean that the, the episode of of cake, you know, uh, and the yes. number of people that they were able to get in front of a camera to talk about this new kind of street drug that was the scourge of you know modern society. It just I mean, even when you look, at, I mean, because I I saw that episode quite recently, and you still think. It's not one of these people going. Can we can we just do a bit of checking? There's that nonsense
1: <laughs> with, with with is it Phil Collins? <laughs> is it not Phil Collins with the hat that says nonsense? You know, Shatner's bassoon. <laughs> what they like, weren't Shatner's bassoon. The genius of those two programs in in um picking apart how how media presents stories and how it's still you know that's still part of the landscape.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm a firm believer that um, the likes of Charlie Brooker would have seen those programmes, and that's kind of where an awful lot – if you look at Screen Wipe and TV Wipe and all that, you know, yep. a lot of that influence has come through on those programmes. So, uh, yeah, finally, uh, if you want to give us your number one in your TV choice. I couldn't have omitted
1: this show, um, and I'll go into the reasons why, but uh, Twin Peaks, this had to be um, on, on the list. Just the immense influence I think it probably exerted on me, and uh, and and how sort of sort of came to think maybe of television, without wanting to sound too grand, and really because it's because it was so daring. Yeah, it's such a daring piece of television. Hand a network handing over all that time and money to David Lynch to make a murder mystery series where there's a woman who talks to her log and a room, which is only accessible through a certain portal where, where the FBI agent talks to a woman who may or may not exist over a dictaphone. So if you have never seen Twin Peaks, here's the thing, right? Four words. Who killed Laura Palmer? Agent Dale Cooper, played by Clara McLachlan, is sent to a small town uh, uh, called Twin Peaks to investigate. And it is a far from straightforward investigation. Um, it is a strange town populated by strange people. But I think the genius of David Lynch is it's not actually a strange town. And these actually aren't strange people. These are this is a normal town with normal people. But what he find what he is so good at, so good at doing, is finding the macabre in everyday life, finding finding the oddity in everyday life and then amplifying that. So our lives are all odd, but we maybe just don't notice it. Whereas in 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 Lynch's world, oddity you know, strangeness is a daily occurrence, yeah. and there's such an air of menace the whole time. The swishing of the trees, the way the street, the, the 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 stop go signs just sway in the breeze the whole time. But what Lynch is brilliant at doing is 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 making the everyday feel very unsettling. Mm. And its return recently on um, the Twin Peaks returned recently incredible television absolutely incredible television and um there was one episode um in in the new series um which is sort of a standalone series um which is uh episode 8 and it's all about a um well it features a, a nuclear detonation is is one of the most extraordinary pieces of tv um i've ever seen but this episode is just extraordinary. Look, I, I'm, I think I'm, I'm actually kind of talking in the way David Lynch might edit an episode, and that kind of just <laughs> sort of all over the place because I'm trying to fit in an awful lot in a short amount of time. I think, but what I think, I, I think he, is I think the return is also very impressive, right? And oh, here's another reason why we added the show. I've just remembered another reason, really? another reason I added the show, and because the show did come back, did come back for series three. People were disappointed with some of the second series. Um, and Series 3 came back. And unlike so many other shows, Twin Peaks returned with a series of exceptional quality and 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 I, I think really um, harmonised with the quality and the values and the atmosphere and the performances of the first series that I think people remember most fondly, perhaps. But the return was amazing, absolutely amazing. And the fact that it was so long after it finished, they'd come back to it and it just click straight away the cast is insane the golden age of tv i think you could argue could argue here's my thesis which i'm not going to submit um on in writing is you could argue the golden age of tv is when networks took risks yeah. and they 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 produced shows like this which went out to huge audiences this was 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 sharing david lynch's artistic vision and talent within an entire country and it obviously, you know, was a huge pop culture hit. Um, the the reason reasons.
0: why I it, it has a very kind of tender place in my heart is because I remember back in the day, I was probably what, I was probably going to college at the time, so 17, 18. Um, and I was living with my grandparents at the time for re- reasons I won't go into. So, and they were probably, I would have said, mid 60s to late 60s. And we all watched it and all yeah. enjoyed it and were engrossed in it. And considering it was a program that probably really wasn't aimed for that generation. I mean, you know, these guys, you know, lived and died on soap operas in Emmerdale. So, you know, Twin Peaks to them was something completely freakish. But we all absolutely loved it and kind of it was again, you know, episodic every week and we'd always come around to it. And I think it was it was BBC 2 as well, which was like a channel. Yep. That that button was very rarely rubbed out on that TV because they never pressed it. It's a Trojan horse in which for which David um Lynch used to
1: um share this artistic vision of the world and share the kind of weirdness of his world and how he saw it with way more people through the architecture of a cop show. And, um, and it, it is, it is just, it's just brilliant. I mean, I, I, I hate it when you hear people talk about things and go, oh, but, and they just stop and go, oh, it's just brilliant. But lit, I just, how on <laughs> earth can you kind of otherwise, because it, it had such a huge cast that all of who, all of whom had arcs that you were invested in. That was mm. another clever thing. There were mm. so many people in this. Because it was a murder mystery, you had to meet all these people. Yeah. And you found out more and more about their families. And things got stranger and stranger and became more intertwined. Really clever, very smart. I remember being very um very oh,
0: glum with that finale. I mean, I I I just just a wonderful piece of art. Oh, so listen, I mean, in terms of if we just take your top ten as a as a as a whole finished piece, I know that you said it's wrong, and I loved the fact that you were able to rattle off thirty programs before we even started of what wasn't in it. But I think in terms of uh, depth, color, light and shade, different layers and slices of of what we call you know kind of television, it's it's the most interesting list of any of the podcasts I've recorded so far. Genuinely,
1: get out of here,
0: Crazy Town resident resident one you <laughs> um
1: well that's very kind and thanks for having me on um do you know what you've done you what you've done and really i, I hate this you have made <clears> me <throat> think and um i'm gonna have to have a lie down now
0: well you can lie down knowing that you've given almost the perfect top 10 if it wasn't uh, so much <laughs> of it, so was <laughs> it was wrong
1: it is wrong the list is wrong we'll, we'll come back tomorrow and we'll do it all over again
0: yeah. Well, do you know what? If we ever get, if I ever get to season two, then you'll definitely be top of the list to come and do <laughs> come and do your alternative top ten. Oh my God, no one needs to hear more of me. <laughs> I don't need to hear more of me.
1: It's been a lot of fun, good. actually, and
0: it's not. You know, it's it's not been work. See, I told you he was good. In fact, it was peerless. He's a brilliant guest, and I think gave one of the best top ten TV lists we've ever had. So that's it for this week, but tune in for a very special guest next week on My Top 10 TV podcasts. Until then, may all your scones turn out like fannies.
1: My Top 10 TV Podcast is a You're On Mute original production.